He says that we know that Einish Khan Shoira Ailam Tok Simcha. Right? The only way to have a Shoz Ashkin is with somebody who's Basimcha. Avromavini wasn't Basimcha. He was being at Star Bisira Hamila, it wasn't easy. And it was it was very hot and nobody was walking by. He was sitting outside waiting for guests, nobody was coming. And that's why it was very hard for him to you know, to be Basimcha. Then all of a sudden but then when the Abish wanted Abish wanted that Avrom Vin should be Zoikat Rashwas Ashkin, what did he do? He made that he should see that the Shlesh Anushim, people going by, people going by, and Avram had the mitzvah that he wanted to do, and automatically he was able to be zoicha to the Shlesh Ashkina, and, and, and that he should be able to be zoicha to see the Ayvishta. So, because he was sitting there and he saw three people, and, and that brought about the Simcha that, that led to the Shlesh Ashkina, that Avram was zoicha. Now, in every Yiddish Shtiv, every Yiddish Shtiv, right, we're always looking for the Shlesh Ashkina. Right, Ishvish Azuchi, Ishkhan Shri Banayim. Now, sometimes we think that the Simcha and the is when the relationship is good. And very often that's true, because when people aren't in a happy relationship, how much Simcha could you have? And that's part of the Loizuchi, you know, it's obviously there's no Ashur Sashchina. But sometimes it's more than that. And I think that an important lesson we can learn from over here at least is that Avram Avini on his own had to have a simcha in order to be zoichet Rashur Sashchina. And very often, people don't realize how much their personal mood affects the home, affects the spouse, and affects the shulim bias. You know, very often people will say, so I'm not in a good mood, so what's my personal thing? Well, I, have to, I have to always be in a good mood, I have to always be smiley? Well, my answer is that you don't always have to be smiley, but your mood can very well affect the whole shulim bias. And that's why, in order to be zoichet to shulim bias in general, which is a shulim you have to be happy as well. And, and you know, I, I think it's something that people should sometimes at least acknowledge that they need to work on. If you're down, if you're in a bad mood, if at the end of the day you're at the end of your rope or whatever you want to call it, and you're just not happy, then, then think about what that does to someone else. Just, just this past week I was talking to Ingeman, he tells me, when I come, it's interesting, some people have the exact opposite uh, thought and feeling, but the way he put it was, when I come home and I see that my wife is on the phone with friends, I know things are going to be calm tonight. You know, she's talking, she's socializing, she's having fun, so she'll hang up soon, but she'll be in a good mood. When I come home and I see that she's doing things on her own, I know she's probably not in a good mood, she'll be frustrated, and it's just going to be, it's not going to be so pleasant to be around her tonight. Now you think about it, she probably doesn't really, I don't know if she realizes or not how much her mood affects her husband, but sometimes when people open the door, you know, when a husband opens the door after a day at work, or a day in coil, or wherever it may be, one of the first things he wants to see is, what's the weather? What's the weather? What's going on over here? And that's why it's so important, and, and you know, Tadikim said this, this word that the, your face is a shisharab, your mood, your attitude, your smile, it definitely affects a lot of people. So it's something very important to realize that if you want a shushashchina and you want that your spouse should feel good and you want your relationship should be good, very much of it has to do with you being happy and looking to make yourself happy and doing things that make you in a better mood and not stressing yourself out and not overworking and not overexerting yourself when you don't have to and not being overwhelmed and then thinking, well, it's my thing, why are you getting so affected by my mood, right? Now, of course, we do need to protect ourselves sometimes from being affected by someone else's mood, which is definitely a different uh, discussion. But the part that we could do and be more besimch will definitely um, add some viyayi oil of Hashem to our homes with my yourself. So let's read a question over here that somebody sent in over here. Um, maybe in a short while back, like I always say. But uh, I still invite questions and whoever wants could keep on sending them in. I, I would try to get to them with Hashem's help. Um, Rabbi Gruen at Lahoy.org. 
That's R-A-B-B-I-G-R-U-E-N at L-E-H-A-I-R dot O-R-G. And if you could please specify, like I always say, if it could be said in Yiddish as well, because often people write in English, but they're listening to Yiddish class, the Yiddish classes too, so that definitely makes it a little easier. Okay. Hi. Firstly, thank you very much for your classes. I live in Etisro, and I really enjoy watching them, hashkafically and practically. Thank you. Okay, you're very welcome, and thank you for the compliment. My husband is a very... I'm married a little more than a year, but Hashem with a baby. I was wondering how I can develop trust. Okay, my husband is a very easygoing person. Nothing seems to bother him, or rather, he doesn't make a, a, a deal about anything. Or at least he says that. I know that things do bother him, being that he's a human. He only shares things with me if and when I notice something is wrong, and ask him if everything's okay. I wish he would just share things with me openly. Is there a way to develop that? Should I just wait? Thank you very much. Hatzlacha. Okay, uh, very good question, very good question. So one of the first things that I want to mention over here, and I'll tell you something, I remember when people used to tell it to me I didn't like hearing it, but I'm saying it anyway, and maybe when you don't tell it to someone personally, you just say it to the public, it's something that people could think about. Um, when the question was written at least, and it wasn't so long ago, don't worry, uh, it says that I married a little more than a year of with a baby. Now, I do want to mention clearly that I know by the time you're married for three months, you think that you're, uh, you're a senior, Okay, you look at the guy who just gets married, and you're like, huh, he's just starting off. And that's how I felt after three months of being married. Five months, six months, half a year, that's already, you know, forget about after a year and you have a baby, then you're already like a champion. Okay, but it's not a question that whoever is married a little, a little longer than that will look back and say, oh, when I was married a year, hmm, yeah, that was definitely not what it looks like today in my relationship. So it's not a question that things do develop. Things do develop over time. And I'm saying this because a lot of people that write questions write about situations, not everyone mentions it, but some people mention that they're just married a short while without realizing that, yeah, that's half the answer. Now, if there's fighting going on in Islam, or there's difficulties that, that are erupting, then they could also be taken care of over time, but sometimes you have to take care of them to make sure that they don't, take, they don't get worse. But sometimes when relationships still need to be built, you're talking about just getting closer and developing more and more trust, you know, chances are that as time goes on, there definitely will be uh, more closeness. Not a question. So, of course, you don't want to leave problems unaddressed, but in terms of progress, you shouldn't think that after a year, all the progress that could have happened on its own would, would have happened already. So that's definitely something important. Now, let's, let's, try, to, um, let's try to qualify a little what, what, we're, what we're referring to over here. We're talking about a husband who's an easygoing person that, that this, this question is writing. Nothing seems to be bothering him. I know he's human, so something must be bothering him. So l- let me just... Uh, differentiate over here. There's, some, there's, there's sometimes you're dealing with somebody who is quiet and withdrawn. Withdrawn. If somebody who's he's quiet, he's withdrawn. He's not communicating. He's not sharing. He comes. He was doing hi, bye. And, you know, other than the weather, we're not discussing much. And we spoke about that recently on a very recent um, shira. How if you want to communicate more, what you do to make a more personal connection, a more emotional connection, and 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 one of the main things to do is not to pull someone's teeth as much as do it on your own. When you'll start sharing more, and you'll start communicating more, and you'll start, um, you know, talking more, and, 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 you know, building that emotional connection from your end, chances are that somebody else will, will pick up on that as well. It's probably one of the best ways to do it, okay? But that's definitely something, um, there's definitely something of a, a discussion of its own. What it sounds like over here, and, and I may be wrong, I'm just, what, what I'm going to be discussing at least, is I'm dealing with somebody who's not a complainer. Not a complainer, everything's fine. Everything, how normal is that? Everything's fine. The supper's always good. The weather's always fine. The baby's always okay. The sleep is always good. Everything's always fine. And sometimes that can be disturbing to someone. And they feel like, you know, 
I don't think you're sharing with me uh, things that are really bothering you. Especially if when I did notice something's bothering you, you admitted that it bothered you. So that means that at other times you are not sharing with me. I mean, that's what it, that's what it basically sounds like. Um, so living with a non-complainer, let's call it. Okay, so you know, when you put it like that, uh, you know, if I make the title of the lecture, I'm living with a non-complainer, everyone would say, you know, good for you. But that's, that sometimes could be concerning to some people uh, when somebody's not sharing what bothers them. So the first thing that I want to say is that, believe it or not, there are people that, that um, don't complain about things nearly as much as other people because things bother them less. That's interesting. I, I consider myself an expert on personality differences, as you know, and I wrote a book about that. And it's very hard for some people to grasp certain concepts of, of differences between people simply because each person is only one person. Okay? So I, I never experienced thoughts and feelings other than my own. So for me to truly acknowledge and understand and, and, and assume that somebody else is feeling and, and thinking differently than I do is very difficult for a lot of people. How should I know that? Now, obviously, when you educate someone about it, and they hear it, they, could, they can understand it, sometimes they'll, they'll notice it afterwards. You know, but sometimes people realize, sometimes people will think that you know, if something is bothering me, it must be bothering everyone. So if I'm saying it and you're not saying it, then you must be hiding something from me. That may not be true. You may have married a very positive person, and you mentioned that you married an easygoing person. And part of being easygoing means, and one of the things that lets a person um, be easygoing, is the fact that they're happy with things the way they are. So that's definitely something to be thankful for. I'll say that much. Very, definitely something to be thankful for. I mean, we mentioned before about simcha being one of the ingredients for Shul Sashchina and Shul Bayez. Somebody who's happy is, is usually somebody who's content. Not necessarily because everything is going better for him than for other people, but simply because he's happy with things. And I thought we could all get there. You know, I say a joke about the boy who came to Chayda and said, my grandfather passed away. He was such a positive person. I said, really? Why, why, let me hear something about your grandfather. He said, he was, mamish, he was, mamish, he was in the hospital. It was, it was, it was terrible. He, you know, they knew he was going. And they figured that they could maybe save his life with a blood transfusion. So they're trying to look up the records for his blood type. And everyone was running around, what's his blood type, what's his blood type? And all he kept on saying was, be positive, be positive, be positive. Okay, so it's a very funny joke. But sometimes there are people that even on the deathbed, they could be positive. And sometimes there are people that in very stressful situations will say, be positive. And some people take it as an insult. Be positive now? What do you... And yeah, be thankful that you're dealing with someone who in the most difficult situations could, could be positive. That's definitely something... And, and I'll mention something else. And this is something that's not as practical, but sometimes it's something to learn from. Now, I know, the part of not comparing means that you won't assume that somebody is bothered by what you're bothered, and you won't assume that you don't have to be bothered by something that someone else isn't bothered by. But I will say this much. It's definitely something to learn from. Many people can learn from this. And... I once had a class called the victim and the perpetrator, and it's a little different idea, but very often you'll see a situation where somebody's complaining very much, somebody's complaining very little. And very often the complainer um, sounds like more victim because I have so many complaints. And you don't have any complaints, so I must be right. And a lot of therapists and marriage counselors make that mistake. You listen to a couple, one of them's complaining and complaining and complaining. The other one, anything bothering you? No, I'm fine. Oh, so you must be the idiot. Because if your spouse is complaining so much about you and you're not complaining at all, then, right? But it's really the other way around. Very often. Very often when somebody is not complaining, there's something to learn from. Wow, that person's not complaining. Is it because everything is fine or because they, they, they're taking it better? And that's something we can all learn from when you see somebody uh, who's not complaining. Now, it doesn't mean that you should deny your feelings when somebody's bothering you. It doesn't mean that it's not legitimate or validated when you have a concern or you're hurt by something. It's not the point. But it's something to learn from that there is definitely a better way to deal with things sometimes than just complaining and being negative and picking up on all those little things um, that are bothering you. Now, one thing that I do want to mention, and this also I think we did speak about um, lately, never use against someone something that, uh, the fact that they're bothered less 
about something than you. Okay? So if you're bothered by something that someone said, the neighbor slams the door. Terrible, we have to move, we have to, we have to write a letter, we have to report them, we have to whatever. And your husband says, okay, if you want to write a letter, we'll write a letter. What do you mean? You, you, you don't care as much as I do? I'll tell you the truth. I, I'm like, okay, so, you know, people have kids, that's life, so you slam doors. So I try. I put, the, I put some, something in my ears when I go to sleep and I'm fine. You must not love me. Right? You know, five people come to that conclusion, you must not care about me. If you're not bothered as much as I'm bothered by something, you must not care about me. And that's very wrong. Aside from the fact that it's a wrong assumption, as we're talking now, that, you know, could be someone's less bothered, just by the way it is. Why would you use it against someone, the fact that they have a different way of seeing something? If you don't see things the way I see it, if you don't feel about something the way I feel it, I'm going to use it against you and prove that you don't care about me. Instead of actually uh, emulating you and saying, you know what, maybe that's how it is with kids, and maybe people do slam doors. So that's also something that you definitely don't want to you know, don't want to take wrong. Let me mention another point. Okay, the question says something. I know things must be bothering my husband because he's human. Now, sometimes we have these misconceptions about how bad things are supposed to be. Human beings are very disturbed and, and, and have very little tolerance to anyone and, and they get disturbed very quickly from anything. It's not necessarily how it is. Okay, so sometimes, you know, we, we, we get into these, this mindset, like there's expected to be problems. Now, in a way, there is expected to be problems in life. Not everything is, 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 is a bowl of cherries. But, you know, and, and this is something that I see a lot of times in Chus and Kala. I speak to Chsana. And I, I hear people say, you know, I listened to all the shirim about Chus Shon Bayes. I took this course, that course. It sounds rough. You know, don't worry. I, I, I took an awesome lessons. But it sounds, you start anticipating problems. You know, the story about the guy who was on the way to borrow, you know, famous story from one of the tapes, one of the songs, uh, or was it, I think Yannis and Schwartz sings this about the guy who wanted to borrow a lawnmower from his neighbor and on his way there he's thinking he's probably not going to give it to me why should he give it to me he never gives me anything he's like, he hates me and I and, what, he, and by the time he, the guy, he knocks on the door and the guy opens the door he says I know you don't want to give me a lawnmower well, what, what did I ever do to you and that's what happens sometimes in real life when people are anticipating problems and then, and then assuming that it's already there and actually actually attracting problems okay let's call actually attracting problems you're anticipating it and you're behaving as if it's there already and, and the problem's there and now you're dealing with a problem that, that never existed yet and this is something where if I assume something's bothering you and I'm already looking at you like, hey, you're bothered and you're not sharing and how could you? And all because, why are you assuming there's a problem? Go ahead, enjoy life and be thankful that you're dealing with someone who's not nearly as bothered by things as other people might be. And even though it's true that you, they taught you as a caller that your husband could very likely be bothered by the fact that you're on the phone, but it could be your husband's not. So of course you want to take him seriously and, and be considerate and not take advantage. You know, but that's definitely something... Um, that's definitely something that, you know, that, that may not be a problem. So again, if you're dealing with somebody who could not be bothered by things, that's a great thing. And I'll tell you another thing. It could be sometimes you're dealing with somebody who is bothered by something, and he mastered the art of being okay with things that bother him. So it's, it's, a, it's similar, and it's also something that we could all learn from. It could be something that's bothering him. It could be something that's not the way he wanted. It could be he would have appreciated it if it was differently. And he, cho- he chooses to overlook it. He chooses to not say something. He chooses to let it pass. He chooses to wait till things iron out on their own. Sometimes people deal with things that way, and it's fine. Now, obviously, there are big problems in life that we're not supposed to ignore, and you try to ignore them, and they don't go away. But sometimes there are people that they know how to swallow a problem without turning it into a big deal, and I think that's fine. So, you know, it's okay to, to not say something sometimes. Again, if this is all coming from a resistance to be open and emotional, then yeah, there's ways to work on an emotion, on, on emotional connection and a relationship. And sometimes, like I said, over time, things develop more. I'm just mentioning again and again that it's okay if somebody's not as bothered by something or chooses not to say something. 
I know a lot of people pride themselves in, I say it the way it is. I'm not like you. When somebody allows me, I say it. You know, you know that, that's how I am. They think it's such a miler that they'll always say it the way it is. Right? So if I think something's wrong, I, I'm a very open book. You know, with me, every, people like that about me. They never have to guess how I'm feeling. You know, people pride themselves in all kinds of idiotic things that, that make a lot of other people hurt. Okay? So sometimes, sometimes it's a miler. I'm not saying. You know, so if you're really upset at someone and you're letting it brew, and you're cocking the inside, and one day it's not plots, that's something else. You know how to say things, I went to say things. But the fact, that you, the fact that somebody may choose to not say something, and to keep his mouth shut, and to overlook, and to say, you know what, it's not terrible, and I'll deal with it, that's definitely not something you know, bad. So, okay, again, if somebody can't do that for whatever reason, it's also okay. But to make believe, everyone should be open about everything. And if something doesn't bother you, don't, don't fool anyone. It's not a relationship. I have to be able to say it. And if you can't say something wrong, it's not true. It's not true. I've seen people make this mistake very much. You tell someone in their face, I can't stand what you're doing, you make me feel like garbage, and I'm only saying it because I'm open with you. We have very good relationships. I'm saying it because we have a very good relationship. I don't know what kind of good relationship you have with somebody who you're hurting like that. So again, if it has to be said, it could be said. You have to know how and when to say things, but you know, not everything has to be said. So back to what I was saying before. Now, if something really is bothering you, or your spouse, and it's kochim and it's brewing, and it's you know, cooking, and one day it's going to explode, that's a problem. So don't do that. And you should learn from experience. Because some people, they swallow things for three months, and all of a sudden it comes out, and now we're not on talking terms, and it's a build-up. No, it's not a way to deal with things. It's not a way to deal with things. You have to not to say it. You, you say it nicely. I, you know, because I see it's really bothering me. I, I, I thought, I, maybe I won't say something for a few days, and, and I see that it's really bothering me, so I'll say it nicely. And I'll say it in a way that you know that I don't think it's your fault, and I don't think that you meant to hurt me, and it's still bothering me, and I hope you can understand me, and I'm sure this things will be better, and I'm sure that I'm not either perfect, etc., etc. You know, so, so just swallowing and getting hungry gas and upset at someone is not, not, not um, you know, helpful. And the same thing is the other way around. If you do know that your husband really is bothered by something, and he's seething, or she, right, your spouse is not okay with something, and something really bothering, then there's a way to say, no, I, I know that something's bothering you. No, everything's fine, everything's fine. I know, but I really feel something's bothering you. And most often when something's bothering someone that much, you probably know what it is. Okay? And there's a way to address it and say, listen, I know it's not easy to talk about, but it would mean a lot to me if we could sit down and, and, and you know, discuss it and be a little clear about it. You know, that's, that's also, that's very important. But if it's not that, and somebody's just not saying something, and you have a guilty conscience that you came late and that person didn't say anything, and you say, oh, you're not open with me, you didn't tell me. A lot of times, hey, one second, you came late, you weren't so considerate, you didn't get bother to make the phone call that you're coming late, or, or take the other person enough into account and make sure you're there on time, and that person doesn't say anything, and using it against him, you're not open with me. That's something that I, I feel is, is, is unfair, and that's why I, I definitely want to, you know, I wanted to mention that it's okay to let someone not say something. Now, one more thing I want to say, and again, I don't think it's so relevant for this question, but it's something that we talk about every once in a while. You hear it sometimes with kids, and sometimes with, with a spouse, and, and I hear this often, right? Why doesn't he say this? Why doesn't she say that? And very often the answer really is, because when he tried to say something, what happened? Last time he came home late, for example, and he said, you know, it was a little late, I wanted to go to, I wanted to, go to night seder. Why is your night seder more important than my shopping? Who do you think you are? Don't you realize night seder is a... It's not the... Well, why is your chabrusa more important? How come for me... Oh, usually, when somebody hears that kind of response, they won't share with you next time somebody's bothering them. Not because it's not bothering them enough, not even because they're not close enough to you to tell it to you, but because they don't want to hear the response they're going to hear. People want to share feelings with somebody who they feel will take them seriously and understand them, be considerate, and own up if something's bothering them. And again, this is obviously only when things are bothering it's between you and your spouse. Sometimes it's bothering about his chabrus and he's not sharing, which is a separate discussion. But just make sure that when something's bothering someone and they do share it with you, 
that you make them feel welcome, that they want to do it again. And this could even be, as a matter of fact, about someone else. Now, if somebody tells you, for example, you know, I had this thing at work today, and somebody screamed at my boss, screamed at me, or whatever, and I, I felt so hurt, and, and you're going to tell your spouse, oh, come on, why do you make such a big deal? It's only work, you take things seriously. When you come home, you're supposed to forget about these things, or whatever other kind of advice you have that could either make a person feel not validated, or downright stupid, or whatever it may be, okay? Because you have a piece of advice, and you don't like that they're coming home and bringing the problems from the workplace. But if you make someone feel like that, don't be surprised when all of a sudden you're not hearing much anymore about what's going on in the workplace. It's not because they don't feel close to you, it's because they don't want your reaction. So that's another important thing, that if somebody is not sharing things, always try to make that little introspection to find out, is the reason it's not being shared with me maybe because when someone does share with me, you know, they don't, they don't get the response they're looking for. So those are a few ideas that I think we should um, take into consideration. And like I started off with, yes, you should definitely thank Hashem that you married someone who's not a big complainer and somebody who's easygoing. For real. You know, for real. This is something to be thankful, very thankful about. That you married someone easygoing. Because there are people that do complain a lot, and they do vent a lot, and, and all this spouse is thinking is, oh, no, I can't. He's coming home now. I can just imagine what's going to be. Let me look around quickly what I can still do before he comes home. And that's, that's, some, that's not something you want. So with Hashem's help, if we could try to be besimcha, we try to make ourselves happy, and we're zoich and we see the good in each other, and we have that emotional connection, and I have that's what we need to build a real life. Now,